Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's hit deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. In the driving jam time. The Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Now Hernandez trying to drive in a run. Swings in a long one to center field. Way back his office near the wall. And it's up against the wall. The run is in to make it two to nothing. And there goes Hernandez for third. They're going to bring him home. He's going to try to score. The throw home. Late. Inside the park home run, and he's exhausted at home plate. We're eight to eight in the bottom of the tenth. Off the stretch, Roscoe. Here's the pitch. Swing and a long one in the left field. Way back in the corner. Grand slam. A grand slam home run by her. And that's the winner. Some great moments in Cardinals history. Keith Hernandez, Tommy Herr, John Tudor, all part of the Cardinals Hall of Fame ceremony yesterday at Ballpark Village. Bill White also inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. He was not able to make it in, but the previous three were. And I was able to sit down with the three of them, Keith Hernandez, Tommy Herr, and John Tudor, for a roundtable discussion that I'd love to share with you right now on Sports on a Sunday Morning. We're going to take a quick break and get into that. And then John Mosaylock will jump in with an update from the ballpark. We'll get the latest from him. If you haven't heard, the Cardinals have shuffled their lineup a bit. First time they've done that this year, separating Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Mike Schilt telling us last hour that he has a change in the lineup. He's going to put Tyler O'Neill third. So that'll be the lineup today. Edmund Goldschmidt, O'Neill, Arenado, one through four. Then you have Yadier Molina batting fifth. And Lars Newtbar is batting sixth. Edmundo Sosa, seventh. And Harrison Bader, eighth, Yadier Molina will be catching the pitcher Adam Wainwright at 115 today. We'll get an update from Mo at eleven thirty, then back to the roundtable discussion to wrap up this hour of sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce a wonderful friend and partner of the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum, and our MC and host for tonight, the sports director of KMOX, Tom Ackerman. Brian, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, let's meet our newest Cardinals Hall of Famers. Please welcome, what a terrific player he was in the 1980s, 
a devastating fielder, hitter. He broke the hearts of a lot of teams through the years. A world champion, pennant winner in 82, 85, and 87. Please welcome second baseman Tommy Herr. He joined the Cardinals in 1985 and an unbelievable run down the stretch, 20 and 1 to finish with a 21 and 8 record, a 1.93 ERA and 10 shutouts in 85. 62 and 26 in his Cardinals career. It's the best winning percentage in team history. Please welcome Cardinals Hall of Famer pitcher John Tudor. And ladies and gentlemen, an 11-time Gold Glove winner, an MVP, a batting champion, a two-time Silver Slugger, a five-time All-Star, quite simply, one of the greatest first basemen in the history of the game. Please welcome Cardinals Hall of Famer, Keith Hernandez. Gentlemen, what a thrill. A great opportunity to talk to three guys that I came down here as a kid. This is the site of Bush 2 and watched them all play. I saw Keith hit a home run in game six of the 1982 World Series. I saw John mow him down one after the other in 85 and beyond. I saw Tommy turn two with Ozzy and Keith and many others. It was an incredible run, guys, and I'll start with you, Keith. What's it like to be back here to know that tomorrow is the day? Well, it's a great honor and such a great tradition uh, in St. Louis. I grew up a Cardinal fan in San Francisco. Um, and uh, the 1964 World Series, my idol was Mickey Mantle because I got my first Mickey Mantle card and I looked on the back and his birthday was October 20th and that's my birthday. So I was sold on Mickey Mantle. But when it came to the 64 World Series, I rooted for the Cardinals, and I think I was in fifth grade then. So anyway, it's a great honor. I'm glad to be back here. Uh, I love playing here, and I was glad to be a part of the 82 World Championship team. It's great to have you. John Tudor, ladies and gentlemen, and John, you know, what a run you had. I mean, I rattled off the numbers. I, I know them by heart, and I think the stunning thing was the 10 shutouts. It, but there's so much that went into that 1985 season. What do you remember from that, and how did you turn it around? God, you know, I don't know. It was just, uh, it was a great team. You know, it was just a great team. Defensively, it was unbelievable. You know, throw the ball to the plate and let them hit it and let them catch it. I mean, that's really what it came down to, you know. So it was, um, it was just, like I said, they were just fun teams to watch. All that team speed and all that team defense. We had, we had a pretty good pitching staff, too. You did. And, and to join some great teams from those teams in the 80s, John, what will it be like for you tomorrow? That's a really good question. Can I tell you at the end of the day tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> Do you, have you practiced your speech? I've, yeah, I practiced it. But, but Tommy and I have had a year and a half to think about this. So, so mine has changed so damn many times. I'm not sure which version I'll be given tomorrow. <laughs> Tommy, another one of the great loved Cardinals, and I know that this is special for you also. This is just an incredible honor to be a Cardinals Hall of Famer. What's going through your mind? Well, it really is. Um, you know, I was fortunate to play on th uh, three of those championship teams in the 80s, 
And, uh, you know, th there were only five guys that played on all three teams, actually four players and Whitey. And, uh, you know, it was Bob Forsh and Willie McGee and Ozzie Smith and myself were the four guys that played on all three championship teams. And, and of course, Whitey was the manager. So it's very special to me. You know, th that, that, uh, that era in the 80s was, uh, was a, a great era to be a Cardinal player and also a Cardinal fan. He was a great, great fielder that I mentioned, but another set of numbers that I know by heart, in 1985, one of the greatest Cardinals teams of all time, he batted third in the order. He hit 302 with eight home runs and 110 RBIs. It was an amazing amount of production. I know you'll credit the lineup, Tommy, but you were remarkable that season. Well, it was a... It was a, really a perfect lineup for uh, a hitter like me to hit third in because I certainly wasn't the prototypical third place hitter, but I could, uh, you know, you needed somebody that could take pitches so that Vince and Willie could run. I could do that. So, uh, you know, I was hitting, uh, you know, I was hitting behind in the count a lot because, uh, you know, I would take strikes for him to run, but I was also a guy that didn't strike out that much. So, you know, with, with two strikes, I was able to put it in play, and oftentimes Vince would steal second and then steal third, and, and you know, ground ball out would get him in, not have an RBI. So, you know, there, there were uh, a lot of occasions where I drove in runs when I made outs, and uh, I think I led the league in sacrifice flies that year, and, uh, you know, it was, it was just uh, really a perfect lineup for me. And then, you know, having Jack hit behind me, they, uh, you know, he was – he was probably the most feared right-handed hitter in the league at that time. And so, uh, you know, I got good pitches to hit with, uh, you know, w when I did uh, get counts in my favor, you know, I, I got challenged. And so it, it was really perfect for me. And then just to rewind it back a little bit, Keith, both of you won a world championship together in 1982. And to talk about that defense playing alongside him, what was that like? Well, Tom came in and moved Obi over to third, Ken Obergfeld, and uh, Tommy had good range, so it, I didn't have to cover, not that Obi didn't have any range, but Tommy was really, had a lot of range, so it, it enabled me not to uh, range to my right too far. It was a great defensive infield, I think the best defensive infield I've ever played with, and certainly I think one of the best defensive infields probably in the history of the game. I mean, Ozzie was... Uh, really, uh, obviously spectacular at at shortstop and all the Gold Glove show for it. But I think Tommy was very underrated and didn't get his due. And Tommy was one of the smartest players I ever played with. He he knew how to play the game. He knew the situation and knew where to throw the ball, what to do. And uh, it was just what our team was all about in '82. Really, we were a solid, fundamental team. Tommy, the memories of 82, what an incredible run that was to topple the Brewers in seven games. They gave you everything they had, but you got them right here in this very spot. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Brewers, when you look at back, back at that team, they, they have, uh, I think, uh, at least three Hall of Famers on that team with uh, Fingers and uh, Molitor and Yount. And Don Ted Sutton, Simmons, four. You know, Ted Simmons also. Who else? Don Sutton, four. Yeah, Don Sutton. So... You know, they, they were loaded, and, uh, you know, they were coming into the series after a, a dramatic, uh, 
uh, win against the Angels, I think, that year when, when they uh, kind of stole the series from them. So uh, one of the big breaks we had in that series was that Raleigh Fingers wasn't uh, eligible to pitch. He was hurt. So I think that, you know, that, that really uh, altered uh, their use of the bullpen late in the game, obviously. Because back in those days, you know, Fingers could come in the seventh inning of a game and, and get a three out or a three inning save. So, uh, but you know, it was our time to win. We, we had a very uh, uh, resilient team that year. We got blown out uh, in the first game and, and came back and, and scratched out a win in the second game. The third game was Willie McGee's uh, coming out party. And, uh, and we really should have won the fourth game. Uh, you know, we, we took a lead late into that game and and, and uh, coughed it up, but uh, it was a great series, and it was, you know, I think it was just our time to win. You know, I, I don't know that we were a better team, but uh, you know, it was our time to win. John Stuper won Game Six, uh, the game I mentioned where you hit a home run, 13 to one, a rain delayed game, and then the 6-3 win with Bruce Suter on the hill. And Whitey will say it over and over: I don't win without acquiring Bruce Suter and Ozzie Smith. Well. Uh, Stuper pitched a terrific game. We're up against Don Sutton, and we beat Don Sutton, won 300 games. He's in the Hall of Fame, and we beat him game two, and we beat him game six. And Daryl Porter hit the double down the left field line in game two that put us ahead. That was the, the, And he never hit a ball down the left field line the whole season. And he did then, and that won the game for us. And then we kind of had that rain delay where the rain came, and we kind of just beat up on um, on Don Sutton, who was one of the, uh, just a great pitcher. Go figure. Uh, we had the advantage of Bush Stadium being so big that their defense in the outfield with Ben Ogilvie in left field and Gorman Thomas in center and Charlie Moore in right was their best defender. But they, with uh, Gorman Thomas in center field, he could not cover the gaps. And we had all that speed, and we just... We took advantage of it. It was an incredible win, 1982 World Champions. Tommy, I, I asked Keith to talk about you. How about Keith over at first base? I'm not uh, off when I say quite possibly the greatest defensive first baseman to ever play the game. Well, I, I think with, without a doubt he was. And, um, you know, I, I could really adjust where I would position myself based on the range that Keith had, you know, uh, being a left-handed uh, first baseman, you know, his glove hand is his uh, right hand, which, you know, that, that, that's the hole between first base and second base. So I knew that uh, he had great range uh, that way, so I could play up the middle a little bit more. And, uh, and of course, with Ozzy on the other side of me, I mean, I, I didn't really have to cover all that much ground, you know, because Keith had me to the left and Ozzy had me to the right. So uh, it was a really, uh, it was a good infield. Uh, Ken Oberkfell was an outstanding third baseman as well. And, uh, you know, if he, if he caught it, he was going to throw you out. He had a very strong, accurate arm. Um, but, yeah, playing between uh, Keith and Ozzy, especially, uh, you know, that, that early in my career really spoiled me. And uh, I learned a lot from those guys because, uh, you know, I, at, at that, that was very early in my career, so you know the, uh, I really appreciate the leadership of Keith and uh, and the other uh, veteran guys on the team. You know, we had some great veteran leadership: Jim Cott and Gene Tennis and 
uh, even Bruce Souter was a, was a real good leader in that team. Bob Forsh was a good leader. So uh, it, it was fun for me to, to be there and learn from those guys. And then in 85, John Tudor does his thing, and you had as good a view as anybody. What an amazing performance just the entire season. He goes 1-7, and seven, but he goes 20-1 and one and locks it down game after game while his team is trying to chase you down. Yeah, that was incredible. I mean, it, it was, uh, you, you know, think about, uh, you, you talk about a bullpen saver. I mean, there, you know, 14, he had uh, 14 complete games that year. So, you know, that's 14 days that the bullpen has a day off. And that's huge when you're, you know, when you're in a, a contested pennant race, and especially when you're playing in the heat like we play in out here. And then, you know, you add in the 10 shutouts. I mean, the numbers are just, it's almost, you know, they're almost too good to even be believable. But, you know, I was there and saw it, and, uh, yeah, it was an incredible run. And, uh, you know, John was, he was the guy, but, you know, we, we also had, uh, you know, uh, Joaquin Andahar won 21 games that year, and Danny Cox won 18. So, you know, we had, a, we had a three, three guys that we could put out there against any team. And, you know, obviously that's why we went so deep uh, in our division and in the playoffs that year. Tommy Hurd, John Tudor, Keith Hernandez, more of that conversation coming up after John Mosellock visits with us on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday Morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Coming up, a second part of our roundtable with Keith Hernandez, Tommy Herr, and John Tudor. What a great opportunity the Cardinals gave me to sit down with the three of them at Ballpark Village Friday before the Cardinals played the Pirates and the night before the three of them went into the Cardinals Hall of Fame with Bill White. Joining us now is John Mosellock, live, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. And, John, it is always a festive weekend when you get the Hall of Famers together, and it's a reminder of the incredible history of this franchise and the players and the people who have made it happen through the years. What a remarkable weekend once again. Yeah, first off, you know, congratulate uh, all four of the inductees. I mean, obviously they all had a, uh, a great part of our, our Cardinal history and it, you know, it was nice to listen to, for them to share their stories and, and what it meant to be part of the, the Cardinals and, you know, as far as Mr. White, I got to meet him when he was a league president years ago, and, and he was always a gentleman. And, you know, even just seeing glimpses of, of highlights of him as a player, I thought that was pretty neat. And so, you know, it's, it's always great that we have this, this, this weekend, really, that we can sort of, you know, reach back and, and look at, at our history. And, and for me, it's also special because I've been here a long time that, you know, like, you know, reconnecting with guys like Scott Rowland, who I, you know, don't see on a daily basis. And, and I always think that's fun. And plus all the other players that uh, wear that red jacket. And to your point, it's, it's an amazing uh, history of, of an organization that just has deep roots and, and in excellence. And so when you have that uh, opportunity to, to, you know, share time with, with these guys, it's, it's so much fun. And, you know, guys like us, it's a privilege. And so we're lucky we can, can do that. And, uh, you know, I really think it's an honor, and I think yesterday was a, was a special day. 
I thought, uh, you know, doing it outside uh, made it uh, feel even a little bit like Cooperstown. And so um, even though it was, it was quite warm, it was still a, a really enjoyable time. That's a really great point. I've had some many warm days uh, at Cooperstown myself, So, that, but it is a great feel in the franchise. Nobody really does it like the Cardinals do. I mean, they're, with all respect, there are some great, great franchises, but the Cardinals do that extremely well. Uh, and you have another one who's eventually going to wear a red jacket, pitching to someone who's going to wear a red jacket. Uh, not many more chances to see, I don't know how many, uh, Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. What a, a special combo. You're going to try to get one today, Mo. So you think those guys will get the coat? <laughs> I think kidding. they got a shot at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I thought that line yesterday um, that was said by, by John Tudor was, was something that like really resonated with me. He's like, you know, players come and go, but when you're in the Hall of Fame, it's forever. And you know, that was a, like a really true point because, in, you know, like I'm on the business side of, of baseball where you trade players, where you, you know, you have waivers. It, it does. It's, it's a little bit of a, a churn. But yet when you get to that point where you're recognized for what you did, it, it truly is forever. And and as I was like thinking about that and, and then, you know, yesterday I was sitting in the dugout before we went out on the field to, to recognize the new inductees, I was sitting there and, and Adam Wainwright, you know, came over and I was like, Oh, you think you'll ever get into this? And, you know, joking with him, of course, but you know, these are guys that, that, you know, had amazing impact on it. And for them, they didn't come and go. They've been here the whole time. And, you know, that's, that's something that's just sort of rarefied air. And, and so to, to when you think about their impact to this franchise over basically the last two decades, it's something that um, it's really hard to replicate. Or even, you know, when you think about all the players that, that have been put into our Cardinal Hall of Fame, not many of them have really sort of done start to finish with the Cardinals. And so, you know, that's a really cool story and something I think like all of us as fans or have been part of this for the last, you know, roughly 20 years is something that, uh, you know, we should all be extremely grateful for because I just don't know how often you're going to see that happen again. We have uh, Cardinals coming up at 115 with Wainwright throwing that first pitch. Mike Schilt telling us last hour he's going to change the lineup a little bit. He's going to put Tyler O'Neill in at third. That's been some career ascent for Tyler O'Neill uh, to uh, be the number three hitter on the Cardinals is, is a big deal. And uh, to be between Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I know it's just one little lineup move, but it's significant. You, you haven't had those two separated in the order yet this year. We'll see if that makes any difference. So you're breaking news to me. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, so how about that? You. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I think that. Uh, look, I, I here's my take as as like if I were like you know sitting in the manager seat, which I'm not, and but I always sort of think like when when things aren't working, you know, probably the best strategy is to always just try to shake things up. And uh, so, you know, lineup changes and, and moving things around from time to time, I think can be healthy for any uh, team. And it's something that, you know, I think sometimes brings, uh, you know, fresh opportunity for others. But to your point on Tyler O'Neill, I mean, obviously he's having a, a very impactful season. I hate to say it's almost a breakout season, but, you know, we, we always believed in him. But now he's starting to take, you know, more consistent at bats. He's, uh, you know, has the ability to put the ball in play, but still has the ability to to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And so, you know, giving him that that chance, I think, is a good idea. And finally, Mo, I mean, just your overview of where you sit right now, and you've been very open 
uh, all season long about your feelings where just like fans, just like observers of the team, just like people in the clubhouse, it, it's frustrating when you can't get it going the way you want, yet you still technically are in this hunt in the wild card. I mean, you're four and a half out for that second wild card spot, 40 games to go. Uh, I know that it's been uh, a season where you haven't been able to get to exactly where you want to go, but the season isn't over yet. Just how is your uh, feeling right now when you look at this ball club? And I guess tacking on to that, could we see Dylan Carlson rejoin them at some point to give him a little extra push? Well, a couple things. One is, you, you know, you play a 162-game season, you, you're expected to play 162 games. So, you know, regardless of where you are in the standings, these guys are professionals. They know what's expected of them. And and so this grind is going to continue through the month of September, and, and that's what we plan to do. Now, you know, clearly the season hasn't gone as we had hoped, and, you know, we find ourselves back in the standings from where we had hoped to be. But now the the key is is you're not mathematically eliminated of anything, so you know playing for something is still very real. And so your hope is, you know, a week ago we were coming off a, a nice little run, and you were hoping to build on it. Unfortunately, this week we haven't been able to do so. And so, you know, I think finding that consistent pattern of winning, that consistent pattern or that combination of your lineup. Um, is important and you know like I mean Cabrera's been really good but unfortunately last night um, gave up a few hits you know we had a an error in the field and it ended up coming back to bite you and so you know ultimately the game is is to truly be successful you have to sort of be able to overcome mistakes and be able to create some of your own successes and you know just looking at this past week as a microcosm of not being able to do that and that's why we are where we are. And so, you know, the coaching staff, the manager, players, I mean, everybody's reflecting on, on what they need to do differently. And, and simply put, when, when we sort of act in, in concert, in, in, in coordination and in synchronization of, of everybody doing what they're supposed to do, you tend to be able to have more success. But unfortunately, when things aren't going right, a lot of people put more pressure on themselves to do more. Um, you know, you can't hit a five-run homer. So don't try. And, and so, you know, doing those little things and doing them consistently allows you to do bigger things later. So that's really what we have to do. And hopefully that's what happens along the way. Um, you know, obviously, from my standpoint, management standpoint, we're, we're going to be evaluating, we're going to be, you know, starting to think about what 2022 looks like. So, you know, regardless of where we are in the standings, you know, the next six weeks matter. And, and it's going to factor into our off-season planning and decision-making as well. So, you know, it's still an important six weeks. Um, we understand that uh, there's a lot going on, and, and uh, you know, hopefully individuals and, and this team takes advantage of it because, uh, you know, four and a half games out isn't, isn't like, it's, it's not a mountain. It's a hill, but um, it's climbable. And so, you know, hopefully we can uh, put a few runs together and uh, be in contention, especially in that last week of baseball. I always appreciate you coming on and speaking on behalf of the club. I really appreciate that. Thank you for the visit, and good luck today against the Pirates. That sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. John Moselock, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations on KMOX. Quick timeout. Back to our Hall of Fame roundtable right after this. General fans and Cardinals fans out of that turnaround in the early 1980s. What was uh, that from your perspective? Well, when Whitey came in, it was the transition from the 60s I mean, McCarver was gone, Gibson was gone, 
uh, Lou Brock was gone. So that team that went to the World Series in 64, 67, won, and 68 lost to Detroit, it was a transition period. So I was part of that younger group coming up, and we really needed, uh, we were talented and needed a leader, a guidance. And, you know, all athletes, I think, particularly when they're young, they want to be led. If they've got a leader at the helm who's the manager, they're going to follow. And Whitey was that. And he changed the first spring training. He changed the whole culture. It was a new guy in town, new sheriff in town. He stressed getting the runner over, uh, all the little things that win games that I really never really thought about because I'm a young guy trying to make my way through and establish myself. And you don't really start becoming a complete player until you become a, you believe you're a major leaguer and you've got it. Then you start thinking about how you can become a complete player. Well, Whitey escalated that. And I think that, um, I don't think we would have won in 82 if it wasn't for Whitey. And he was the best manager on the field I ever played for, that he made no mistakes. We're also, that's a great statement, we're also celebrating this weekend the legacy of Bob Gibson and Lou Brock, who I know, Keith, uh, you were very, very close with, uh, and I've asked you this before, but could you tell us your first interaction with Lou Brock as you were coming up in the Cardinals organization? Well, my first interaction with Lou was that Lou was kind enough I played A-ball at 18 in Florida State League, and I hit 256. My first year of playing, you know, hitting 500 in high school in Joe DiMaggio League, and all of a sudden I'm hitting 256. In your first year, you're playing 130 games. That's a big, it's a big adjustment. It's a big, you, you don't get that playing two games in high school and Joe DiMaggio a week. Uh, but Lou came down in instructional league, which was always the showcase league in 1972 and six weeks of baseball and it's all the best prospects within the organization Lou came down for three weeks and I'll never forget when he popped in I and it was a surprise they didn't tell us and that's when I first met Lou and I was shagging out in right field and he walking out towards me in Al Lang Field and our dugout was the first base dugout where our clubhouse was I'm in right center field and he's He's walking out, and I'm going, is he walking towards me? And he kept walking towards me, and all of a sudden, he sat, he came up and introduced himself, which I didn't need any introduction. And he had, I had around a 30-minute conversation with him, and he took me under his wing, I really feel, uh, from that point on. And he was just, he was a savior for me. I don't think I would have made it without Lou, because I struggled early in my career. And Lou was there, and it was tough love. You weren't allowed to feel sorry for yourself, which I could do with the best of them at times when I was young. And he wouldn't let me do it. And um, I just owe everything to him, and I'm really, really sorry that he can't be here for this, for this event. I know he is here, though. He's, he's watching us, that's for sure. And uh, we love him and miss him very much. And I know this, Keith. You know, he, he did. He made you understand what it's like to be a cardinal and you are an incredible part of cardinal history you also have the unique perspective in that you were one of the all-time great cardinals and you faced some of the all-time great cardinals as a member of the mets and, and that really is part of this story up here is that unbelievable rivalry john and, and tommy i mean 
you got to experience that as intense a sports rivalry as any of us here have ever been a part of. John, what was that experience like for you facing the New York Mets? Let's start in 1985. Yeah, I mean, my first start as a Cardinal was against the Mets in Shea Stadium. Uh, ended, up in a, ended up in a no decision, but um, it was an amazing rivalry. I mean, they were, they were such a good team, and they had, I mean, they matched us. They couldn't match us speed-wise, and, and, they, and, and to be honest, they didn't match us defensively, but offensively, they were a much more powerful team. They had a lot more, a lot more guys you really had to worry about whether you're going to throw a ball in the middle of the plate. You know, with Keith, if you made a mistake to Keith in the middle of the plate or the middle of the plate in, you're in trouble. Or, or, or uh, uh, Daryl or, you know, or Howard Johnson or, right, you know, right on down the line, Rain Knight. All those guys could hurt you if you made a mistake to them. So it was kind of a, it was a clash of opposites from that standpoint. You know, we were speed and contact and defense and and they were they had the pitching with with darling and lynch and and doc and uh good bullpen with roger and and uh, it was um it was a fun match but we just we went slugfest year year after year you know we won in 85 and they won in 86 and we came back in 87 and and and, and they won the national well, actually actually they got to the nls and 88 and lost, but um, it was back and forth all, all the time. It was a great rivalry. Yeah, it was great. I mean, 85, as you mentioned, Cardinals win the pennant. 86, Mets win the world championship. 87, Cardinals are like, hold on a second. We, we still have it in us. You're injured and you're watching this, but it's late April, and Tommy Hur gets up there with the bases loaded in a game right here on this piece of land that we will never forget. A grand slam to end it. Seat cushions are flying. Unbelievable, Tommy. Just uh, take us through it. I know you get asked about it a lot, but it has to be something that from time to time you do close your eyes and think about. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, you know, that day in 1987, didn't really even think that much of it. I, I didn't really think it would become this, this huge thing that it is now, you know, like seat cushion night. Uh, it's, it's gone down in the history of Cardinal lore, you know. I never, I never thought it would uh, morph into that, but it was a crazy game. And as all our games were with the Mets, uh, even, even games in April, it was an important game because our mentality was, you know, we, we played them 18 times and, uh, you know, we just... We knew we couldn't go like three and 15 against them, or we weren't going to win the division. We we had to we had to find a way to hold our own against them, and uh, at least you know play 500 or, or close to 500 against them, because it, we we always felt like we played better against the uh, the teams that you're supposed to beat. You know back then it was you know the Pirates. You know you needed to beat up on the Pirates, and you needed to beat up on the teams that weren't quite as good. And, you know, we always did a better job of that than the Mets did, you know. The, the Mets had, we had their full attention when we played them, and they played us very tough. But then they'd go into Pittsburgh and split four games with the Pirates, where we'd go into Pittsburgh and win four or win three out of four or something. So that's how we stayed close to them. And uh, anyway, that game in, uh, in 87, you know, Jesse Roscoe was their uh, back end of the bullpen guy at that time. And... It was just one of those games where he was struggling with his breaking ball, and uh, 
and I knew that. And you know, we got a we got a couple base hits. I think uh, Pagnazzi got a hit, and maybe uh, somebody walked, and Pendleton got a hit to load the bases. And you know, all all three of those guys didn't see one slider for a strike. So I went up there knowing that I was probably going to get a first pitch fastball and. You know, I was looking for something up that I, you know, I was just trying to hit a fly ball and it happened to go out of the ballpark. And it was about the third time in that game that the, the seat cushions came out of the stands. And um, it was it was great. You know, I've I've signed a lot of seat cushions over the years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at how many people still have them. You know? Yeah, oh, they it's were just, all thrown out there. It's such a great part of Cardinal history. But Keith, those were some battles. Just great battles in baseball. It's that's a great part of baseball, where the rivalry was intense, especially with the fans. But there was a lot of respect between those two teams. Well, it was always the Cardinals and the Cubs that was the great rivalry. You get all the Cub fans that would come down here. There'd be fights in the in the seats back in the 70s, and neither one of us was competitive. And for us, the Mets and the Cardinals, all of a sudden, to supersede the Cardinal-Cub rivalry, it was the Cardinal-Met rivalry for four years. And that says a lot about the competition. I mean, what, 85? They, we win 102. We win 98 and go home. You know, and today we'd have been a wild card and a wild card that no one would have wanted to play. Uh, it would have been very interesting. Uh, but um, I really kind of like the fact that, you know, you, the winner, goes, winner takes all. Uh, that was the most fun in that series that we had here in St. Louis where we came in the last week and we had to sweep. And Tudor pitched against Ron Darling the first game. That's Daryl Strawberry clock home run. And Ron and I was worried about Ron because Ron was young and Tudor's a veteran and having on a great run. And Ron matched John for scoreless innings and then hit the home run off daily. That was the game we had to win, and we did. And then we had Doc in game two. We knew we had that one, and we did. And then it was up for grabs. Their depth in their pitching was better than ours. I, I know our starting rotation was good. We ran Rick Aguilera out there, and they ran Danny Cox. And Rick was a good pitcher, but Danny Cox won 18 games. And I also felt that that Cardinal team had a better, a, a deeper bullpen than we had. We had the two guys at the end that were lights out, McDowell and Orozco. But Whitey can go middle relief and, and go in late in the game with Worrell and Daly. And they were superior in that way. And pitching's the name of the game. To this day, I'll take pitching over hitting any day of the week. Well, we are excited that you're here. We are excited to honor him, Bill White, Keith Hernandez, ladies and gentlemen, John Tudor, and Tommy Herr. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 